Welcome to Packet Pushes Heavy Networking, probably still the greatest podcast on data networking you can find on the internet, probably. In today's sponsored show, we're talking to Telia Carrier, who operates one of the largest telco networks in the world, except that most people don't know or haven't even heard about Telia Carrier and the sort of services and products that they offer. And for many people, all telcos are much the same. It's sort of the any, meeny, miny, mo, and that's fairly relevant, but Telia Carrier is here to tell you about what sort of differences and why they are a different sort of telco and why you should be considering us. Joining us today is Matthias Friedstrom. He is actually the Vice President and Chief Evangelist of Telia Carrier. Welcome to the show, Matthias. Thank you very much, Greg. Uh, let me ask this question. Let me just get this straight out of the way. Why haven't I heard about Telia Carrier before? Oh, I think it's really because, you know, um, we're not famous in the enterprise world. We've really been hiding behind in the carrier's carrier world. You know, we are the backbone of most of the things on the internet. And that's been a good place for us to be. But I think the last couple of years, you've seen a couple of changes in the market where, you know, mm -hmm. cloud is much more used public backbone, IP backbones is much more used and the public internet suddenly becomes a means of, of having your traffic as an enterprise. And therefore you think, I think there's a lot of things that's placed in our advantage right now. And that's why we now believe it's time for us to be known again in the enterprise world. So I would say, you know, we're really well known in the carrier space, but that's a very tight community and therefore okay. you have never really heard of us. Yeah, that when you said to me when we were doing the prep for this that you were the carrier's carrier, that took me a little bit of a double step because I've always sort of been vaguely aware of Telia Carrier and you're sort of based out of Northern Europe. That's where the genesis of the company is. But you were explaining how you've got this massive footprint right the way across the world, North America, Europe, just about everywhere. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think, you know, we were one of the few companies that absolutely built an enormous amount of backbone networks in Europe. And we were the first European carrier that actually entered the American market in, in the sort of late 90s. And based on that footprint, we've just grown and grown and grown. But as you said, you know, we've only been in the carrier space until two years ago. Uh, and in that space, you know, not many people know how these networks work. And mm -hmm. therefore, you know, no one has heard of us, but you know, today we are a global carrier. We have our own network practically all over the globe right now and, and are really selling global services. Now that's important to me because you own your network. You're not reselling somebody else's network. Well, I imagine you're doing it in some parts, but your point would be is that you or you have one of the largest IP backbone networks in the world today. Often you are the carrier for other carriers. So that is a unique differentiator because a lot of the times when we engage our carrier partners, we end up going through, you know, goes back, 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 back. And the tech support calls are always like, oh, no, it's definitely, oh, no, it's not working. Yeah, no, you know, two days later, we found out that something wasn't, you know, is that an advantage? Absolutely. I think that's an advantage. I know there are carriers out there saying, you know, you don't really need to own the infrastructure as long as you control the overlay. But I think, you know, controlling the underlay is really key here. And I know there are a lot of companies out there who said, you know, we want to buy from the guy that have the key, the key to the door, the key to the ducts, the key to everything. And I think that's a huge advantage for us right now. You know, I think many years in the mid sort of 2010, 2012, people talked about, you know, oh, you're burdened by this enormous network that you can't even pay for. I think today that's a huge advantage for us, you know, owning mm. the ducts, knowing who's going to repair and having that type of control and actually control of the cost. All of those things are extremely important. They're just going to be more important over the years coming. I see it more as visibility. If you own your network, there's a greater chance that I'm actually going, your tech support lines, your help desk is going to know exactly what's happening. They're not going to be 
you know, ringing a telco who's ringing another telco to find out why the circuit at such and such a location isn't working. It's a one and done type thing. And I think, you know, for us, having actually grown to where we are organically is also a huge advantage these days. You know, many of our competitors who are also doing great are a mix of a number of companies they bought over the years. And therefore, you know, control of their inventory systems is just a big thing, you know. Uh, I know sometimes when we, you know, we lease some fiber some places and we call customers up, we've been a customer for the last 20 years and still they answer the phone saying, you know, yeah, I've heard of you, you know, maybe we should check in our numbers here. Oh, it looks like you've released something over here. That's the good thing with us. We've grown to where we are organically and therefore have control. We have very little legacy in our network, and that's, of course, a huge advantage going forward. Well, Matthias, just, just to be clear here, we're talking about carrier's carrier as, uh, as your legacy and what you've done and built your business on. But, but the big idea and the big message we want to get out the door here is that's not all you guys are doing these days. You want to serve everybody, enterprises included. Absolutely. You're completely right. Many enterprises are thinking about using the public internet to have their connections. You know, these old MPLS legacy networks where everything is the same, regardless who you buy from, you know, everyone can do that. That's not a problem. But using the public internet because it's so much cheaper, that comes with a different set of prerequisites and all that stuff. So, of course, we kind of understood that if if 60% of the global internet routes is beneath our own network, and at the same time, we've been connected to the cloud providers the last 15 years because they've been a big chunk of the public internet that of course that combination makes us almost a perfect fit for the enterprise market and that's why we've decided to go there right now in other words you're supporting connectivity for the public clouds the big cloud providers that are out there at facebook and google and aws and so on so if i'm an enterprise that is wired into telia carrier directly then my on-ramp to the public cloud providers i may have less latency time a faster on-ramp time to connect to their networks I would say, you know, most enterprises still believe, you know, okay, for us to connect to the cloud, we probably need to go to one big co-location provider because I've heard that some of the cloud providers are in that building. But I think, you know, most enterprises have their headquarters very far away from these cloud or co-location partners and so on. And I think what we can do is we can take their traffic directly from their headquarters or wherever they are and bring it to the various clouds they need to do. Uh, we have good examples of, of banks who wanted to connect to a number of different cloud providers. They couldn't decide if they want to go all, all into Amazon or something else. And that's the perfect combination if a service provider can actually connect them with VLANs to various parts and, and they can take the real advantage of the cloud uh, and you don't need to bring yourself to the cloud. Someone else is going to take you into the cloud. The general opinion is you co-locate your equipment in Equinix and they're going to cross-connect you. And that's that's how, just how you do that if you want one of those direct connects. And you're kind of making the point that, no, that's not the only architecture out there to get that done. Exactly. You're right. That's the point, you know, and I think they make a good job telling the world that, you know, the only way to reach the cloud is through us, uh, which many of the other co-location guys are doing as well. I think what people are starting to find out now is, you know, yeah, that's one way of connecting to the cloud. But I think the easiest and simplest way to connect to the cloud is just to ask my service provider, who are probably connected to five, six, seven different clouds. Uh, and, you know, diversity and everything just comes as natural for service providers, while it's quite complicated for a co-location provider to do that diversity thing. You know, they're typically connected to one cloud in their data center and that's it so i think you know there's something else we bring here for the enterprises that's very key for them when they build their new networks i think that's important because one of the challenges around the internet is quite often there's the big carrier in the backbone but then there's these little ones around the edge and you know an american company in europe isn't actually got a big infrastructure sometimes it's just a sales office 
and everything's just OEM'd off somebody else. And you think you're getting something, but you're actually getting something quite different. And although those conversations are very hard to explain, um, there's a lot of reselling and that has its own problems when it comes to bandwidth quality in terms of raw internet. You want to be as close to the backbone as possible. On the other side, um, you also want to be in a situation where you're getting as many services as possible. So quite often in the enterprise, you don't know where you're headed or where you're going, and you might want a telco partner that can still give you, as you're saying, the interconnect services so you can do direct connect to the clouds, you can still uh, interconnect to other clouds. So you're sort of suggesting here that you've got this broad portfolio of products to meet the diverse enterprise needs, even though that's not what you started out as. That's what you're talking about now. Exactly. You know, we're, we're going to take the advantage of having built this global footprint and global network that we have. And, and then, you know, obviously we don't connect to every bush in every city everywhere. So we need partners to do that last mile connections and everything. But I think the advantage we have is, of course, that we can see, you know, who in that city are well connected to the public Internet and who is not. Because I think one of the major problems we have with the public Internet is, of course, that many companies are not doing their connections in the best interest of the traffic. They do it much more in the best interest of the cost and therefore yeah. you know some of them are actually you know if i can buy ip transit from that provider over there at, at a few euros per megabit cheaper than i can buy it over there i'm going to buy it at the cheapest rate regardless if my traffic is going to traverse half of the globe uh, to come to the other end and i think that's where we can come in and tell them you know we know in this city these guys are really well connected and they have a direct connection to these cloud providers and they have a direct connection to these content mm. providers while the others on that side here have they've sort of been a bit cheap about when they bought these things and therefore you know their their solution is probably not the best solution let me try and read that back i think what you're trying to say to me is because you're big enough you will generally tend to have the better paths in the network, even yeah. if you're partnered with a partner to have the shortest, you know, to have the last hop, you're still going to have a better path because your network is operating at scale. That's the advantage of being global. You know, we can we we have more and more routes, and and the way for us to grow our business is, of course, to build even more diverse networks, and therefore our service is going to be more direct uh, wherever we are connected, and so on. And and you know, in the old world, you know, where everyone used MPLS lines everywhere, you know, everyone leased from the same. Uh, now, when public internet is much more used, suddenly the networks itself becomes a much more interesting thing. You know, because the way you yeah, build your network yeah. and the way the traffic is routed is much more important than it was before when everyone just made these one-to-one -one yeah, connections. Yeah. yeah, four years ago, five years ago, everybody was using MPLS and, that, you know, little tiny bits of bandwidth that was mission critical and, you know, treated with precious golden gloves and, you know, each packet was handcrafted to, <laughs> to flow down the MPLS circuits, you know. And nowadays we just throw it out on the internet and boom, perfect, you know. Yeah. You know, why did we do that all for all those years? Um, I think we should probably... Um, start talking about there's more to Telia Carrier than just uh, public bandwidth or public WAN, as I sometimes call the internet yep. or internet services. There's also data center interconnect. So let's talk about yep. that. The biggest thing we were thinking about in the beginning when we built our network was, of course, to build it for our IP backbone so we could become this giant on the IP backbone that we are today. But I think, you know, over time, we've also understood that, you know, this network is actually built between data centers. And why not sell that capacity to other data center builder? You know, there's a huge need from the mega cloud guys to connect their data centers around. You know, in many places, they buy their own fibers and do it directly mm -hmm. themselves, but they can't do that to everywhere and they have no interest doing that everywhere. So I would say a, a big chunk of what we do is of course connecting 
their backbones between their data centers and making sure that they're always up and running and, and, and so on. So, of course, that. And I think the interesting thing here is, you know, yeah, you've sold this really to the mega content guys, but I think the next layer of the content guys are now interested in this. You know, mm. the ones that is not the mega clouds that we are used to know today. And I think here's partly where the enterprise comes in again. You know, we've already sold these type of services to large banks in Europe where they, you know, they say, you know, we have so much traffic between our bank offices and our data center. So we just need raw connectivity between them. Yeah. We don't want to have a perfect managed solution from some service providers, you know, give us the raw bandwidth and we'll do it. And I think that's a super interesting market. So one subset of that is data center interconnect where I've got two data centers and I want, you know, 40 gigs between the two data centers, but they might be separated by a couple hundred kilometers or a thousand kilometers or something like that. Um, that's the sort of thing where I can actually come in and buy wavelengths. So I can actually buy a Lambda on an optical network I get the bandwidth and then I'm responsible for managing it, but you're still operating all the dark fiber, all the optical ring underneath that for me. Yeah, we give them the access to the bandwidth, you know, regardless if they use it or not, they can use it to whatever they want. You know, in the IP network, it's much more important where all the packets are going. Everyone comes in with an address to the end destination and you can route that traffic in a much smarter way. You know, buying, selling bandwidth, that's just, you know, let them use it for what they use it. And, and here we have some fantastic examples of, of banks where their IT department is equally as good as a service provider's IT department or network guys. And, and they can, you know, use this bandwidth connecting their head office with loads of data centers around and you know they they actually they start to outsource a lot of their applications to the cloud as well and and they want to be connected with waves mm. they don't want to be connected with anything else so uh, yeah you don't want to be buying 20 megs of ip bandwidth you know or 20 no, gigs of ip no. bandwidth what you want is a a 20 gig circuit that i can then decide i can do my own traffic shaping or I yep. can slice and dice it. Maybe I want to do it, you know, head it into my routers. Um, maybe I've got encryption requirements on that data yeah. and yeah. I can't outsource, you know, if I put it on the public network, maybe I want to do MaxSec so I can get a hundred gigs. You know, yep. if you're doing MaxSec, yep. you can get high speed encryption yeah, where absolutely. you manage, you know, managing your own keys. Yeah, and I've even seen uh, automotive companies starting to think about, you know, this high-performance computing that they need to do to run their tests when they test new winter tires and all that stuff, you know. Why do that in an expensive location in the middle of Europe, you know? Let's find another smarter place for this data centers. And then, you know, the only thing they need between that smart place and their headquarters is raw data, bandwidth. Mm. Uh, perfect for us. Yeah, I, I, we recently, uh, the Packet Pushers team recently went to Iceland and mm -hmm. Iceland's just got so much power. And yep. I've heard stories about people actually putting high-performance data centers in Iceland mm -hmm. just to tap into the cheap power that they've got there. Yep. And it's easier just to ship the data to a country with low-cost electricity, yep. process it, and then bring something back. Like, uh, you know, data has gravity, so it's not an easy thing. But if you can get the bandwidth and the capacity and then take yep. advantage of power, that can, yep. even in enterprises, that's starting to have an impact. Absolutely. And that tra that's, that business is just growing. You know, the Nordics is uh, where I come from is absolutely a perfect place for this. You know, Iceland is good, but Iceland have its limits in connectivity. That's the problem there. You know, it's quite expensive to buy traffic in there in the cables to even from Iceland. If you're there, you know, and, and if your bandwidth need is quite low, you know, Iceland is a really nice location. But I would say, you know, since the governments in the Nordics, when they dropped the, or actually took away the energy tax on, on data centers, you know, that is absolutely a perfect place. I think you save 
millions of euros if you locate your data center up where the energy is green and there is no seismic activity and, and everything else is, is really good. So uh, <laughs> that's a real problem. There's a season. Yeah. Why do people put data centers in California on top of an yeah, earthquake exactly. zone? Exactly. It's yeah, got yeah. me got me beat. You know, it's like yeah. everywhere in America seems to be in the middle of a like a, a natural disaster. And if it's not an earthquake, it's a cyclone or a hurricane or a yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. or a tornado. So it's like <laughs> Yeah. No, you're right. Matthias, tell us more about the the direct connect to clouds. This this interests me a lot. So if we understand the Equinix model, let's say I'm co-located there, and I know someone in that data center can like cross-connect me via a switch, and now I've got that connection. How, how would the Telia carrier direct connect to a cloud work? Yeah, no, the, the, it's kind of works the same way. But the thing is, you know, if you if you want to use the Equinix version or the CoreSight version or whatever works in a data center, you need to take yourself from your headquarters or wherever you have your enterprise stuff that you're working with to an Equinix data center. And from there, of course, there, you're a cross-connect away to the cloud. I think what we're proposing is, you know, directly from your enterprise headquarters, where all your people are who's going to use all this data in the cloud, we can connect you to wherever. And, and that doesn't mean that we connect you to the closest Equinix place and then into the cloud. It means we connect you directly to the cloud. And of course, you know, if you look at the big guys in, in Europe, they have massive number of clouds. Of course, from diversity point of view, it's better to be connected to three different clouds from the same provider, but your traffic is diverse and you will always use the best path for that traffic that day. Uh, you know, they will always make the backups themselves between their data centers. So you don't need to worry about that. And I think that's what we that's where we come in and say, you know, you can actually buy everything from your service provider. You don't need to take yourself to someone else who's going to take you into the cloud. Architecturally, Mattias, how does that look? Like, let's say I want uh, direct connectivity into AWS. Do you drop me a circuit that's just for my AWS connectivity? Or is it, I've kind of got this Telia cloud and each of my locations is hooked into that cloud and one of those cloud connections is uh, plumbing to AWS. No, we will directly connect you to the Amazon cloud. There will not be a Telia cloud in between or anything like that. We will directly connect you. You can actually order the Amazon service on our webpage, on our company. So you go in to us, you order the Amazon service and everything, you get a service ID and, and we connect you to that service ID in the Amazon cloud if, if you want to use Amazon and the same with the others as well. So, so you've so we got just, an automated we, platform to do that. Yeah, exactly. We have that. And it takes minutes to do it. It's it's super simple. I think that's a very easy choice and you can always upgrade, downgrade, whatever you want to do in that same platform that we have. So uh, that's a, it's a pretty neat solution that we have there. Mm. Mm. Do you think you've got a competitive advantage over others? Like there's a lot of names spending a lot of money on marketing and, you know, they, they're always in our faces telling us how, you know, the co-location yep. company or the, you know, the direct connection company. And uh, there's a whole bunch of those. Let me ask you a blunt question. Why is Telia a better choice than them? I think we're a better choice because we have a bigger network in the background. And I think that's the problem we have. No one knows about it. And I think that's our mm. biggest problem. You know, no one has heard of us. And I think until two years ago, we felt, you know, that's pretty fine. You know, as long as the, the big companies and the big operators know about us and use us, then that's fine. That's a fairly good way of living. But I think now when we go into the enterprise space, we need to be in the more known. We need to tell people, you know, this is actually the way the public internet works. And here are the advantages of being connected to the biggest ones. And of course, in the world, there are a number of big backbones and they're all 
pretty similar, but I think we have the largest one. If you look at the Dean rankings now owned by Oracle, you can see that we are the number one carrier in the world right now in terms of importance for internet to work. And I think that's the secret sauce behind this whole thing, you know. We have more connections around. We have more traffic on the internet than anyone else have. And therefore, we know more about how the internet works and how to take advantage of the advantages on the internet. And I think the other thing that some of the other companies advertise is their software operations. You know, they've got a graphical console and a web page where you can just click a few buttons and they'll provision. My understanding is it's a bit limited. So you've got some some of them which are just like, if you're in a colo where we've got connections, we can, you know, then we can help you. But otherwise you're out of luck, right? Yeah, and no, it's I, like, and I, yeah. <laughs> and this is the one, this is this model where you say this is the difference between owning the backbone and running over the top of somebody else's backbone. There's a, there's a gap. Yeah, no, I, I think you're really right there. I think, you know, until 2013, 14, I think we as a telecom service market had really disappointed our customers for so many years. And I think all of us just failed completely on customer experience mm. and all that stuff, which really brought on these new companies coming in. You know, they made a super simple service online. If it fits, it fits. And it's super simple to use. And I think they've been really successful. You know, they've done a good job mm. of, 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 you know, <laughs> attracting customers and so on. But it's really, as you said, you know, as long as you're in the perfect place and, and have a good connection already, yeah, it's simple to use. But if you're not, <laughs> it's going to be quite... I'm complicated and they have to buy services and, yeah and, and they're always juggling this you. and juggling that yeah. and, you know i've got to get my apis talking to this telco and that yeah. telco yeah. and all that says i almost want to take the first part of your sentence there and just like cut it out and distribute it you know we did a really bad job on customers and i really think you have i think we have mm. there is not that many people that talk well about telecom companies these days uh, <laughs> but i think you know there is a great opportunity in there and i think the combination of if you own your own network and if you can combine that with a software side i will be perfect you know there's still room mm. for the software guys out there who lease their networks yeah. and stitch services together there there are still companies for them but i think that when the big networks start to get their software in the right order that's when things are going to happen mm -hmm. now one of the other things we talked about during the prep for this is that you're actually partnering with a number of SD-WAN providers. So these are companies out there selling SD-WAN services, but you're actually a partner to a number of those. Yep. Quite a number of them needs to lease networks from someone. And 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 like it is today, you know, we're one of the global networks and, and therefore, you know, we get a chunk of their traffic underneath our network. And of course, they're super important for us uh, and we do everything we can to support them and, and they do a great job. Uh, but it's quite, you know, yeah, the world we live in is really weird in the sense that you sometimes are a partner, sometimes a competitor, and sometimes a customer. Yeah. So, yeah. so today you're cooperating, tomorrow you're in competition, today you love each other, tomorrow you yeah. hate each other. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's very interesting because we've actually seen some SD-WAN providers actually use the uh, backbones of the mega clouds. So some SD-WAN providers are using AWS or Google as a yeah. backbone for bandwidth because their backbones are uncongested but your yep. point would be as low that you're the same your your yep. backbone is is in that class yeah i'm not really sure if 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 google and facebook and microsoft and these guys really want to do that service i think they do it because they have it but i think you know they're not really geared up to serve customers they they have their networks for their own need and they're happy with mm. that uh, and it's very different to run a network when you have a lot of customers that's calling you and complaining uh, about everything sounds expensive so, too like aws and azure are not exactly the cheapest network no. providers in the world like if no. i was an sd wan company tracking traffic over the azure backbone i'd be like 
okay, they've got good APIs, but is it really worth spending, mm. you know, 500% more per megabit? You know? Exactly. <laughs> no, I think that, that's, I think that's a good, yeah. That sounds a little, you know, which, which comes back to your point about a lot of telcos haven't done a good job of driving APIs on their infrastructure and making it programmable so yeah. that companies could build on top and build, you know, services on top of that. I think you're making the point or attempting to make the point that Telia Carrier has that or is heading in that direction. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also the advantage we have is, of course, we have no legacy here. You know, we have no revenues to defend. You know, if anything we win is a win for us. Uh, and I think mm. many service providers, the big ones especially, have, you know, they've locked in customers for many years on big contracts. And, you know, and then when these customers start to ask, you know, hey, we believe we can buy this service on this side much cheaper and much more flexible. Then, of course, you sit there, it's like, you know, oh, okay, there are three years left on that contract. MPLS, ooh, can we keep them? Uh, or should we start to provide something else? And I think we don't have that problem. You know, we can go in no. and be super flexible and say, you know, hey, you can take a almost a six-month contract with us to test us. And, and if you like us, stay with us. Uh, and if you don't, go. That's a really good point. I was reading a research report the other day, and they confirmed that companies who switch from traditional MPLS service to dual broadband circuits for an SD-WAN they're saving 80% of cost and getting a five to 10 times improvement in bandwidth. That's a really big motivation. And if you're a telco sitting down there going, I've got an account that's worth 10 million a year, but after we move to SD-WAN, it's worth two. So you might just be tempted as a sales rep to sort of, oh, there, you know, you need your MPLS, you know, sort of to tell a bit, a bit of a lie and not actually tell the truth to try and protect that, you know, that revenue that's suddenly disappearing out the door. And, yeah. and your point would be is that you're not defending legacy no. MPLS networks. No, no, no. We have we have nothing like that. We obviously have some MPLS circuits and, and so on. And we've sold MPLS services to the Nordic countries for, for some years and so on. But, you know, I think we're super flexible of, of swapping that out for an SD-WAN circuit. I think, you know, there are probably still some traffic that needs to go on MPLS still. And that should be on MPLS. I think your some of your financial data maybe shouldn't be on the public internet, uh, regardless if it's super safe or not. Uh, I think that part you can probably keep on MPLS lines, but I think the, the general data, what you use, perhaps 80% of your data can be on the public internet. And then, as you said, you know, it's going to be a lot cheaper to be connected in that way. Uh, and it's going to be a lot more flexible to be connected in that way. You know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Uh, I think you can right. even have a mobile solution as a backup. And that's probably good enough if you have a small remote office with one, two, three people in it. So I want to jump to SD-WAN because we just started talking about you know, this idea of SD-WAN, there's yep. a certain type of SD-WAN product where they provide the backbone and trunk it back. So since we're talking about SD-WAN, do you have a managed SD-WAN offering? And what does that look like if you do? Yeah, no, we, we do have actually. And and, and we, we launched it in the beginning of this year. We actually ended up in the Magic Quadrant this year okay. because of it. And then I think we actually won an award together with Cisco for the best SD-WAN product in the world uh, a couple of weeks ago. So okay. uh, so it's been, it's been fairly good. Uh, as I said, uh, I mentioned Cisco. I think we've used the... Uh, the Cisco Viptela solution to start with. I, I think, you know, the reason we selected that brand was, of course, you know, coming new to this market and, and bringing some really fancy SD-WAN product with a fancy name wouldn't be good enough. You know, if we come in and say, you know, we're supported by Cisco, one of the biggest companies in the world, that's more of a safe story to sell. Uh, so yeah. our solution is both managed and unmanaged. You know, if anyone wants to manage it itself, we can handle the traffic for them, taking care of the connections to them, and they can run it mm -hmm. themselves. 
I don't think many companies really should do that. I think some of them are tempted to do that. But I think over time, I think there are some advantages we as a service provider can help them with. And I think, you know, having someone to call when something, some, something fails is, is going to be good. So I think, you know, hmm. our solution, if we're going to sell the super managed solution, probably not. I think something in between is, is probably good enough to sell them. So uh, yeah. help yeah. us understand what this offering is then. I mean, you said it's managed, but I, it could be unmanaged. Wait a minute. I just got lost a little bit. So yeah, you know, when I when I talk about managed, that means that we will provide the CP. Yeah. We will provide templates for the CPs where they just install the template and they're up and running and so on. I think unmanaged, then we practically only do the connectivity. They buy the CPs themselves and they buy the service themselves from an SD-WAN provider and they implement that and the connectivity is with us. Okay. But, but so, so I think, you know, we're rather sell, making sure that, you know, whatever they install in the office comes from us. Uh, we send them a super simple template. They download everything from the public internet and up and are up and running. We don't need to send technicians to sites and so mm-hmm. on, but it's still a managed service because if anything goes wrong, we will fix the fault mm. for them. Tealy is backing this, this service, if you will. You understand the architecture. You've got yes. knowledge about it. You've got the, yeah. the Cisco relationship and so on. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, I agree with you. You know, bringing a Cisco product into a portfolio and offering it as a managed service makes it easy for customers to buy. You're not making it hard for yourself. Yeah. In as you enter the market, and then, but if a customer wants to bring something else, you know, yeah. wants to choose a different product because it fits them better, or they want to operate themselves, you're open to that as well. Yeah, and, and I actually think Cisco likes that as well. I don't think Cisco really wants enterprise customers calling them directly about connectivity questions. So I think you know, <laughs> yeah. I think Cisco <laughs> rather sell it through us than having yeah. to take these calls themselves. You know, I think they're happy to have us in between and, and just reselling their SD-WAN service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, tech, my circuit's down. What? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, and that's what that's sort of trying to avoid, one throat to choke, one butt to kick, one hand to shake. And which is kind of the same thing with the cloud solution as well. You know, if, yeah. If, if, yeah, if they have to deal with one service provider that helps them getting all the way to the cloud and into the cloud, mm. that's also the same thing, you know, one throat yeah. to choke. Uh, one purchase order to write, one throat to choke, one butt yeah. to kick, one hand to yep. shake. Yeah. Yep. Something, yeah, something like yep. that. Yep. <laughs> I keep hearing different versions of it. I think I'm collecting them at this point. So I want to come back to the public internet question or public WAN, as I like to call the internet. I don't think mm-hmm. the internet is the internet anymore. I think nope. it's more correct for networking professionals to call it the public WAN. Yep. Do you agree with that sort of idea that it's just a WAN that happens to be a public resource that anybody can connect to and and why would telia carrier be the best choice for that no i think i think you're right i think it is you know public internet is 92000 networks connected all together in some shapes or forms uh, and i think the super advantage with the whole thing is you know wherever you connect you can be connected to anything else on these 92000 networks so i think the idea and everything is really really good and i think as you said it kind of more works like a one uh, and then in that of these 92,000 networks, there are some networks that are more important than others in terms of their connectivity and all that stuff. And that's actually where we can see that our network currently, about 60% of the IP addresses, the internet routes are underneath our network. And that's why we see we have this big advantage of knowing much more about the traffic and where it goes than anyone else in the world. And that's why I think, you know, we have an advantage. That doesn't say that our network is better built or, or have more diversity or have more traffic or anything, but it means that we have a lot of use into this network and we can actually tell customers, you know, okay, you want to connect in Buenos Aires. Okay, this ISP is actually better connected than this ISP and your traffic is more likely to find your 
address quicker and with higher quality if you select that ISP instead of that ISP. And those are the things mm. that very few can help them with. So I could talk to my account manager and they would be able to advise me on regional ISPs that would be better integrated, Absolutely. perhaps? Absolutely. We have, we have tools in the background that looks at the traffic and how it flows at all times of the day and night. And, and therefore, we can, through that analysis, help customers saying, you know, we know that your traffic wants to reach these destinations and the best way to reach them is through this way. Uh, mm. You know, if they're perfectly located in, in you know, Dallas or, or Frankfurt or London, they better connect directly to us. You know, there's no point okay. in having an ISP in between. But if they're connected in Buenos Aires, they need to find someone who's then connected to us well, later on. Nadia, if I'm interpreting uh, this to mean you've got a, a very rich and complex set of BGP peering relationships. In other words, you describe this at the top of this section as 60% of the internet is, is uh, like underneath Telia, that you guys can see it. So I yes. would assume yeah. if I'm looking at BGP paths, I'm going to see Telia AS numbers somewhere in that path for about 60% of the routes that are in the internet routing table right now. Exactly. Exactly. That's how yeah. it works. So AS1299, you will find that practically everywhere in there. There are a number of other networks that's really good as well. It's not only us, of course, but I would argue that it's less than 10 uh, in the world, and, and probably around five, that really have these, you know, enormous reach and, and scalability and, and traffic. Uh, and, you know, in these corona times, when, when the traffic boosted like madness in, in March, there were only very few networks in the world that can take that traffic on the backbone side. Uh, mm. I would say mo many national networks could handle it because they were designed for peak traffic in the afternoon and now the peak was around lunchtime. So with all of these peering relationships, then that, that goes back to your point of, uh, of best path. If I'm trying to connect to someone somewhere in the world and I'm connected to Telia Carrier, there's a pretty good chance that uh, it's not that far away from an AS hop perspective. You're, you're connected to them. Absolutely. You know, uh, you can actually find there are organizations out there who publish how many networks are connected to each AS number. And there's a ranking from 1 to 92,000 in terms of how many networks they're connected to. And, and you can see that about 45% of the ASs around the world are connected underneath our network. And 60% and of the actual IP addresses, the, the routes, are found underneath. That doesn't mean that 60% of the internet traffic right. goes in our network, far from. Uh, but but the number of routes you can find. So the likelihood of you entering our network somewhere and finding the other OAS you want to connect to is very high. Just curious, Maddie, because this comes up a lot with the packet pushers crowd. Uh, IPv6, you guys must be right in the thick of that as that traffic continues to grow across the internet. What, what are your observations there? Yeah, it's the weirdest thing, you know. I, I, I actually looked in my computer the other day and I saw that already in 2001, we started to talk about IPv6 and we, we quickly need to make sure we have it. I think we've been ready for the last 10 years. Everything in our network is IPv6 enabled. But it, my feeling is, you know, even though the world ran out of IPv4 addresses in November last year, I see no signs of, of companies wanting to switch to IPv6. Mm. Uh, there is no, no one really that comes and asks us, you know, we, we do sell some IPv6 circuits here and there, but that's like 2% of everything we sell. Everything else is IPv4. Mm. Even uh, in the European market? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. IPv4 is the only thing people talk about. And I, I actually looked the other day how many IPv4 addresses Telia Company have left. You know, we're part of Telia Company, one of them. And there's a, quite a lot of them still available. It's not going to last forever, but, you know, <laughs> the way we can packet IP addresses and, and, and you reuse them and so on 
everyone is aware of that we need to do that. And everyone is doing that really well. So I would say the last three years, we haven't consumed any more IP addresses, mm. although we've expanded a lot because yeah. we're using them so much smarter. So yeah, my feeling was, you know, we had panic six years ago. We have absolutely no panic today. Well, and the IPv4 broker market is still going strong. Absolutely. And I saw the price of an IPv4 address and you can make quite a lot of money on selling them. So, <laughs> and, and I'm constantly afraid of that someone in our company will find that out and suddenly decide to sell them. <laughs> That's a... There's a really good point. I, I want to come back a little bit. You said before that you're Telia carrier, but not Telia company. Maybe yeah. we should spell out the difference between yeah. the two here. No, Telia Company is, is the former incumbent in, in Sweden and Finland, uh, the combination of Telia and Sonora in 2003. And then in Telia Company, there are a number of daughter companies, and we're one of the daughter companies. So we're 100% owned by Telia Company, but a very separate company with 530 employees that have our own budgets, our own everything. We happen to be owned by Telia Company, mm. uh, and therefore, obviously, we have... Uh, the advantage of, of having some sister companies with mobile operations in the Nordic countries and the Baltics. Uh, and of course, you know, have the, the good thing there, you know, we obviously we don't sell to each other at anything but market price, but we can get an insight from them. You know, what is a mobile operator thinking really? Where yeah, do they yeah. want to go? And I think that's the advantage. You know, we can talk to them about, you know, have your customers asked for IPv6 addresses, for instance. Yeah. Uh, and if the answer is no, then the answer is no. Because I got caught out and I'd had to make sure I typed teliacarrier.com into the website, exactly, not yeah. no, no, Telia no. Networks exactly. or something like yeah. that, because no, Telia right. Carrier right. is yeah. the name of the no, company. Yeah. And Telia Carrier handles all the international traffic of the Telia company group. Uh, so right. everything okay. that goes between countries and, 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 and globally, that's us. Coming back to the IPv6 question, I was looking at the Google IPv6 stats the other day and Google says 30% of its traffic is IPv6 now. Yeah. And I find that very difficult to reconcile with my lived experience on the ground. I think in enterprise IT, it would be like 5% of enterprises yeah. would be yeah. IPv6. They wouldn't even be IPv6 internally. They'd just have an IPv6 on the on the internet facing firewalls. I, I think or, we know the answer to that question, though. Like, why do we see 30% IPv6 but don't feel it on the ground? Mobile networks, that's why. It's in our phones and we don't think about it. And other than that... It. Yep. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah you're very and right. And you don't and care. I, I, and you don't know no, and you no, don't care. No. And I actually saw the other day that someone said, you know, maybe we should have our internal traffic between the routers on IPv6 instead, just to start to use it. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean that anyone in the world will see it, but it's just, as you said, an internal thing. So. Yeah. Every time, every time I've talked to somebody who's tried to do that, they suddenly find out all the things that are in their enterprise network that don't like IPv6 or <laughs> they, there's there's happy eyeballs, which was a good idea yeah. that yeah. says if IPv6 is there, we default to it. And then suddenly you find out all the devices that actually don't do IPv6 very well at all. Printers, yeah. fax machines, you, know, <laughs> you try to use them and they're like, oh, well, that wasn't such a great idea. And then everybody backs out. So yeah. I like that you said fax machines. That was that was all right. That was funny, man. Except it's not funny. I know. That's what's there worse. There are IP fax machines out there that don't do IPv6 that are mission critical. There are yeah. there are probably yeah. hospitals out there still sending faxes between the radiology yeah. and the, you know, yeah. they digitally transform by putting an IP address and choosing it as a printer. But it's yep. still faxing, yep. you know, yep. because there's some obscure, but that's the sort of thing. Coming back to something that I wanted to pick up here, Mattias, one of the things that you've talked about is that Telia is a big company. And when you run yep. a backbone, you're a big company. So yep. I'm getting a sense here that you're not exactly an SME 
uh, business. You're actually no. looking for a certain type of customer. Yeah. There's going to be a certain type of customer that's going to fit your business. Um, and there's going to be a certain type of customers who you, you might not be able to serve so well. Maybe we should no. talk about that. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, uh, the network we have is is sort of super wide in 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 globality and in terms of kilometers and so on. But of course, we're not that very deep into every every place where we go. So I would say the best fit for ourselves would be someone who have about 30 offices in 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 North America and about. 30, 50 offices in Europe. That would be a perfect fit for us, you know. And someone that requires more than just a tiny piece of bandwidth, you know, someone who's up at the one gig or even 10 gig level, that would be the perfect choice for us. You know, if, if you're a McDonald's and come and say, you know, we have 20,000 restaurants in US, can you connect them? We will probably say no. Or I can guarantee you, we will say no. Uh, uh, and we will <laughs> because you don't you want to manage 20,000, one, no, you know, no, and, and we're not here. No, yeah. exactly. We're not built for that you know so we're gonna you know and, and the financial sector i would say they're very open and they're very far ahead than the others i think the automotive section some other sections you know in the production industry could be a really good fit for us i don't think i think customers needs to be quite they need to know what they're doing to deal with us you know we're not going to be the mm. one that comes in with seven consultants and tell them everything about what they should do you know we're probably coming in there quite lean and telling them, you know, hey, if you if you know what you want, we're the perfect choice I, for you. I feel like you sold yourself a little bit short as far as the footprint because you came out with people might have only heard North America and Europe, and that's the perfect fit. But if I'm in Asia, I can still be a Telia Carrier customer. You're absolutely right. You know, we're absolutely in Asia as well. And 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 we are currently the number one ranked backbone in Asia as well, uh, even though we don't have our own fibers there, you know, but everyone else yeah. have the sea cables that everyone else have. But, you know, you're absolutely right. Asia is a good market for us as well. And and, and mm. we do have some partners over there that can help us if we, if we don't have the place where they need to be and so on. So if I attempted to break that down, then I'm sort of thinking somebody who's looking for a lot of bandwidth. We're not yeah. talking about... 50 megs here and 100 megs there. No, one no, I would argue that the more bandwidth they want, the better it is for us. Uh, I think there are very few networks left in the world that can take on these enormous amounts of bandwidth that some customers ask for. And and I think, you know, the larger, the better for us. If you've got 30 branches, you know, 30 sites that you want to connect at 10 gig plus, then why not talk to the the big carrier that actually does this for most of the other companies anyway? Whereas if you're sort of looking for a thousand, one gig circuits, you're not that because that's a very different business. That's a lot of services. Mm. That's a lot of monitoring. That's a lot of, you know, legs on the ground. Yeah, you, dragon exactly. Tape. You would be and you would need an army to, <laughs> to cover that, uh, mm. in terms of buying all the circuits to every location and so on. Right. So that's a useful qualification because yep. if you're not that sort of person, then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because that's important. Because when you select your carrier, you should be looking for a carrier that fits your company. There are wholesale carriers and there are retail carriers, if that makes sense, right? And I get the sense that you're sort of like a a bulk seller. Yeah. You sell bandwidth in bulk. You're not very good at the consumer or the broadband or the retail side of the network. Correct. Which Which is entirely reasonable. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for today's show. We're starting to run out of time, Matthias. Thanks so much for coming on and talking to us. And thanks to Telia Carrier for sponsoring today's show. Um, If people want more information, where can they go? Yeah, thanks very much, Greg. You know, yeah, they can they can absolutely go. We have our own landing page right now, which is www.teleacarry.com slash packet pushers. Uh, there's a special landing page for the packet pusher audience there. So teleacarry.com slash packet pushers. That's where you can find more white papers and, and the topics we've talked about, but especially this, what we've talked about here. 
And for people in the audience, so the first, there's a very limited number of premium gifts. So what I've done is talk to Telia Carrier's marketing department, and they're going to offer a limited number of premium gifts for people who submit their email address on the webpage, teliacarrier.com, as it sounds, T-E-L-I-A-C-A-R-R-I-E-R.com slash packet pushes. The number is a secret because I want you to sign up and leave the email address. But if you submit your name and email address, a certain number of people will get a gift uh, for the first in, first gets the prize. Well, thanks so much to Telia Carrier for sponsoring today. And thanks for you for listening to us. You can find this and many more fine free technical podcasts along with our community blog at packetpushes.net. It would be incredibly helpful if you would uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Google Podcasts. It helps us to stay on the game here and be producing podcasts, helps people find us. You can also follow us for more information and what the latest shows are that are being published uh, on Twitter at Packet Pushes and on LinkedIn, Facebook, and so forth and so on. And as always, remember that too much networking would never be enough.